Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are continuing our salute to radio station KFI in Los Angeles. Our host for this program is the announcer for Amos and Andy for two decades, Mr. Bill Hay. This is Bill Hay, and I'd like to congratulate KFI on this anniversary. Fifty years, one half century. That's a long time in the radio business. And I should know because I also began my radio career 50 years ago. That was on station KFKX in Hastings, Nebraska. In 1926, I met Freeman Gosden and Charlie Carell, known to listeners as Amos and Andy. It was my good fortune to announce their 15-minute nightly radio show for almost 20 years. I think I can best recall my relationship with Freeman and Charlie by reading the foreword that I wrote for their book, All About Amos and Andy, published in 1929. So, Amos and Andy are publishing a book. Well, well. Or perhaps, as Amos would say, ain't that something? I'm glad indeed that I am permitted to preface their story with a few remarks for I intend to say things about them that I know the boys would never say about themselves. I have known Charles J. Carell and Freeman F. Gosden for many years. As an answer for their nightly episode and as a personal friend, I have become intimately acquainted with them both in and out of character. And to my mind, they are two of the finest boys I have ever met. Modest and shy, they are. Prosperity hasn't hurt them. Their rise has been rapid. They are known wherever radio broadcasting is a means of entertainment. Their fan mail is enormous. Yet they are as natural and unspoiled as on the first day they walked into the studio. They are excellent showmen, both of them, and shrewd businessmen. They know the secret of public favor and its value. They never hesitate to refuse anything which might lower the high standard of the entertainment they present or jeopardize the friendship of the hundreds of thousands of radio fans who depend upon their clean, human fun. But the most important part of their characteristics, and the one, in my opinion, which has had more to do with their success than any other, is their devotion to work. They take their job seriously. They put their heart and soul into it, not only as they write it, but as they deliver it. It has been my privilege for several years to sit in the studio with the boys as they broadcast their nightly episode. I have seen them almost overcome with laughter at the antics of their characters. I have seen them broadcasting a pathetic episode with tears in their eyes, drying them as fast as they came so that they might see to read the next lines of the script. Many times I have seen them so shaken by a pathetic episode that it took them almost half an hour to come to sufficiently to be able to leave their private studio to meet people. They live the characters they portray. That's why the characters are so real and human. 
Corell and Gosden have an enviable sense of humour. Not the wise-cracking type, but the kind of fun that grows out of a healthy, happy outlook on life. For that's the kind of boys they are. They love to play and enjoy golfing, swimming, riding, and most outdoor sports, winter and summer. They like people. They are at home with influential businessmen, but they are equally at home with the man on the street. And their following the country over is just as democratic, just as inclusive, nearly everyone, high or low, in cities or on isolated farms, who follows the antics of Amos and Andy, enjoys them wholeheartedly. Now let's go back more than 40 years and let Freeman Gosden and Charlie Carell explain how they got the names of Amos and Andy. Here they are. Well, thanks for calling, Mr. Johnson. Uh, yes, but we'd rather not release the name of the new program yet. All right, say goodbye, Mr. Johnson. Charlie, they're getting anxious about the name in New York. So am I. I wish we had one. <laughs> now, the name of the show means everything. Yes, Charlie, and we've been working on it for a week, and, well, nothing seems to sound as good as Sam and Henry. Yeah. Well, come on, guys. Let's go out and get some supper. We need a snappy name like Jack and Mac or Tim and Tommy. Yeah. Push the elevator button, guys. Charlie, we must have made a list of over 500 names. Yeah, I know it. Oh, say, uh, how about Slappy and Happy? <laughs> no, I don't think so, Charlie. Well, here's the elevator. I wonder if Willie's on duty. He's a character, isn't he? Yeah. Well, well, Chucklin' Charlie and Stephen Freeman. How are you, boys? Oh, fine, Willie. Step right in. How are my two friends of the airwaves? Fine. Say, I hear you got a new program. Yeah, that's right. It starts next week, Willie. We're going coast to coast. Well, how do you like that? Ain't you the pair for the air? <laughs> hey, Lord. Well, well, look who's here. My football-playing friend. Step right in, famous Amos. How's everything going in the elevator, Willie? Having my ups and downs. <laughs> Second floor. Going down. I'll move back, let the janitor get in with the stepladder. Well, make way for my old friend, Handy Andy. First floor, there ain't no more. Going up. Going up. Say, Charlie, what we need in these names is something that'll catch on, something that'll be easy to, to uh... Charlie, what's the matter? Did you hear what Willie called those two fellas? Yeah, uh... Famous Amos and, uh... Handy Andy. But, Charlie, what I mean is, uh... Amos and Andy. Yeah, Amos and Andy. Well, they are both four-letter names... They're both sort of euphonious, and Amos is a biblical character. Yeah, and not only that. If we ever play a benefit, they list the names alphabetically. We'd always be right smack at the top. <laughs> Another popular character on the program was Kingfish. This is the story of their meeting with the Kingfish and the beginning of their Fresh Air Taxi Cab Company of America... Incorporated. Boy, they show puts these bills up high. Yes, sir, they really up. Uh, uh, hey, excuse me for protruding, mister, but ain't you got a hold of my watch chain? Oh, your watch chain? Uh, well, well, uh, uh, so I does. Yeah, well, how you like that? Yeah, one of these solid gold cufflinks of mine must have hooked on your watch chain there. 
hands. It's lucky I don't remember what my grandmother told me before I left home. I got my watch chain attached to my underwear. <laughs> as soon as I felt my BVDs creeping up on me, I know something's wrong. Uh, allow me to introduce myself, stranger. Uh, the name is Stephen. George Kingfish Stephen. Kingfish? Uh, yeah, they called me that because I was the head of that great fraternity, the Mystic Knights of the Sea. Yeah. How you do? I is Andrew Hogg Brown from Marietta, Georgia. You see, me and my friend Amos Jones just got to New York, and we think about buying a taxi. I got 340 bucks right here in my wallet. Hmm, got 340 bucks, huh? Yeah. Thinking about buying a taxi cab, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, lucky you run into me, son. Uh, it just so happens that I got just the right car for you. No, I... <laughs> Yes, sir, Amos, there she is, parked at the curb, our new taxi cab. Yeah, well, I know this fella you called the kingfish that you met give you a bargain, Andy, but the top of this thing is all sheared right off. Look at there. Mm. While you're driving, the breeze is going to come right in there and hit the passengers right in the face. Well, now, that's all right, Amos. You know what we can call it? The Fresh Air Taxi Cab Company of America Incorporated. <laughs> well, that's good, Andy. Uh, let's start up the thing here and take a little ride. I want to hear that Stutz Bearcat engine, boy. Yeah, let me open the door here. Yeah, go ahead. Up to Daisy, pick up the door to Andy. <laughs> Throw it in the back seat. Now, let me get the thing started. Yeah, start up. Listen to that bear cat motor. Yeah, it sounds like the bear is chasing that cat all around the place. Shh. Andy, she's boiling over. Uh-oh, there go the radiator cap. There, there goes we... the radiator, too, Andy. Yeah. Look, look at that, Andy, the flame. Yeah, let me... Oh, And here's how they met Madam Queen. You know something? You is about the sweetest, prettiest, gentlest flower that I has ever had the pleasure of running into. Look, big boy, would you mind sitting still? Why I didn't use this manicure? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know something? You is the cutest hunk of female gender I done eyeballed in a long time. You're just wasting your time. I's a widow and I knows all about men. When it comes to love, it's going to take a real man to kill the flame. Uh, kindle the flame? Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Shake hands with old lamplighter. <laughs> you is kind of cute at that. Sugar daddy. That's my one big requirement. Yeah, and I can see you as a woman. That is my one big requirement. <laughs> oh, oh Rasputin. <laughs> you know, my name is Andrew H. Brown. What's yours, honey? You can just call me Madam Queen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yet third. Hey, Mike, 
Andrich is leaving the service. After 25 years, he's retiring. No kidding. Say, he'll be drawing around 60% of his active base's retirement pay. That's pretty good. Not bad. Plus the fact that Referral got him a great civilian job as a radio announcer. Radio announcer? What's he know about announcing? What's to know? His father was a tobacco auctioneer and his mother was a woman. Referral, that's the Department of Defense computer program that matches up your training with civilian jobs, isn't it? Yep. It's a computer bank in which I, for one, have a lot of interest. Financial security, retirement pay, life insurance. Those are just a few of the benefits from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. I was the announcer for Amos and Andy and more than 9,500 broadcasts. And, as I recall, I was only late for one show. It was in Palm Springs. And here are the details. I had played 18 holes of golf, three sets of tennis, and been swimming for about 15 minutes. And although I was in good shape at that time, I was a little bit tired. I had lunch immediately after that. And then I thought I would sit down in a nice, comfortable chair for a few minutes. I did. But the few minutes developed into quite a few minutes. And when I woke up, it was about one half minute before the time for the broadcast to begin. I had to run from the back part of the grounds at the hotel in Palm Springs, climb a flight of stairs, and when I got in front of the microphone, I was almost gasping. And it was, well, it was refreshing, but really comforting how many people telephoned to see what was the matter with Bill. Was he sick? I was very careful they never had a chance to ask that question again. Now, here's a scene with Andy, the kingfish, and lawyer Calhoun. Now, Stonewall, uh, Andy going to be here in your office any minute. Now, I don't give you all the facts of the deal so you can arbitrate the thing honestly. Right now, kingfish... From what you done told me, I'm afraid that your case won't hold water. Well, will uh, a five-dollar bill plug up the leak? Oh, not only plug it up, it'll waterproof it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, here's the fire. Well, thank you. I'll just put this in my pocket. Yeah. Oh, come here, Andy. Well, hello, Stonewall. Well, I just uh, second walked in myself, Andy. I ain't had time to say hello to Stonewall. Hello, Stonewall. Well, if it ain't the Kingfish. Hiya, Kingfish. Oh, how you do? Glad to see you. <laughs> Uh, Stonewall, we want you to arbitrate a case between me and Andy. Uh, let me get behind my arbitration desk here. Yeah, get up there. Sit up there high yeah, so you yeah. do this thing. Okay, now. The court of arbitration is now in session. Hereafter, in the legal terms of the arbitrator, we shall refer to the kingfish as the arby, and to you, Andy, as the traitor. <laughs> Call him Benedict Arnold. Go ahead. <laughs> now, before we begin, I want you to understand that this court is going to be absolutely fair, strictly unpartial, and completely unbiased. Now, Kingfish, you talk first, see, because you're going to give the true side of the case. Thank you. Well, Your Honor, uh, Andy here ordered a foreign car for me. And I had the thing shipped all the way from France. Yeah. Keep talking, Kingfish. Uh, well, Your Honor, then when I delivered the car to him in good condition, he gave me a measly $100 down payment, and now he wants his money back and wants to back out the deal. Yeah. Keep talking. Stonewall, here's my side it's of the case. Quiet, blabbermouth. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a 
wait a minute here. Wait a minute, Stonewall. Don't you want to hear my story? Well, well, I'll tell you, Andy. You see, in my career as an arbitrator, I've found that it's too confusing to listen to more than one side. (laughs) I don't like the way things are going. Well, you can't argue with the scale of justice. Well, I don't care about that. I'm going to win this case even if i got to pay a lawyer $10 to do it. $10? Well, there'll be a... There'll be a slight recess while I rebalance the scale of justice. Really? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, I'll pay $15 to a good lawyer, if you know what I mean. Fifteen? Fifteen? Can I hear twenty? Oh, wait a minute, John. Wait a minute. Now, look, so well, let's quit this stuff here and get back to deciding the case fair and honest like you agreed to do for me. Well, after taking all the evidence presented and weighing it on the scale of justice, it looked to me like the scale is tipping in favor of the kingfish. So, all you mean to say that the scales say that the kingfish done won? My final verdict is that the kingfish ain't got to give you back the hundred dollars that he cheated you out of. Amos and Andy Rowe was getting themselves in all kinds of scrapes. These were episodes which listeners could always relate to. This one is from their radio show in 1954. Yeah, I don't mind helping you, because I ain't seen much of you lately, you know. Yeah, well, I can explain that to you, Andy. You see, we is on different social levels now. We is, huh? Yeah, it don't behooves a man with a steady working wife to mingle with the soup kitchen and the flophouse set. <laughs> I gotta hoove myself in the upper brackets like I is, you see. Well, now that we got all the typewriters out here, who is this company you got to call up to have them cleaned and overhauled? Uh, the Acme Typewriter Service, and they're kind of expensive, though. They charge $10 a typewriter. Yeah. Say, that $320 show is a pile of money. Yeah, it is. Yeah, man, I ain't seen that much green stuff since the night my gal got mad at me and hit me in the face with a Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah, well, I better call up the Acme and have them come over here and get... Yeah, uh, and get uh... Hey, wait a minute. Somebody at the door. I thought the office was closed up here. Yeah, I wonder who that could be. Might better let him in. Uh, yeah, sir, can I help you? How do you do? How do you do? No. I'm a representative of the Jim Dandy Typewriter Service. Now, I hear on the grapevine that you have some typewriters to be cleaned. Yeah, are they going out to the Acme Company? They're going to clean them, overhaul them. Well, it's a fine company, neighbor. Nothing wrong with the Acme Company. Yeah. I like the way they get back on their feet every time they go bankrupt. <laughs> How much are they charging you? Well, they're only going to charge $10 a typewriter. $10? Oh, that is high. <laughs> Tell you what, my friend. You know, I like you. No. I think... I think I could shave our price to $7. Yeah, well, I don't have nothing to do with... I the... could shave it to 5 Yeah, Well, like I say, my wife... Uh, uh, mm, yeah, uh... Uh, excuse me a minute, Mother. I want to talk to my friend here. My business. Mr. Brown, come over here in my office. Will you step right over here? Yeah. Uh, what's the matter, Kingfish? Looking at your forehead there, you done broke out in one of them monetary sweats. <laughs> and uh, Sapphire said that the Acme is going to charge $10, and this fellow would do it for 5 Yeah, I hear that. Now, I don't know the exact figure on 32 typewriters, because I ain't got time to pro-rata the thing, but... My instinct tells me that this kind of rat and go Mickey Mouse itself into a nice piece of cheese here. Uh, go back here. Yeah, come on, come on. 
Uh, Mister, you said that because you like me, you're going to shave the price down to $5 a typewriter? That is right. Well, as long as we's all lathered up, yeah, I wonder if you could let the thing down to $3. $3? It's a deal, my friend. Oh, fine. Now, now, the only thing is they want the typewriters back Tuesday morning. Can you pick them up today? Today? If there's no moon, I'll have the boys back the truck up in the alley about 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, excuse me for protruding here, mister, but uh, you is going to pick up the typewriters at night? That is right, my friend. That's the way we operate. You'll be surprised how sunlight can kill our business. That's three dollars a piece. Now let's see, uh, three times thirty-two. I figured. Now, to make it easy on you, my friend, I'll make it a hundred and fifty dollars even. Oh, thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> hey, there you are, Mister. Yeah, yeah. One hundred, uh, one hundred forty, one hundred and fifty dollars. There you are. Thank you, thank you, my friend. Thank you. We'll pick them up later. Yeah. Uh, wait just a minute now. In case I want to get in touch with you, where can I reach you? Want to get in touch with me? Well, I'll just write my number here on this slip of paper. There you are. Just call any time after 10 and ask for Sam. Oh, thank you, Mr. Sam. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Pleasure to do with, uh, business with you. Good day. Good day. Hmm. Nice fella. Yeah. I wonder how come he wiped off the doorknob with his handkerchief on the way out. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just probably superstitious, ain't he? Oh, boy, look at that. Sapphire gave me 320 bucks to get the typewriter clean, and I'm getting it done for 150 Yeah, boy, that's some saving. Sapphire's going to be proud of you. That's going to be a nice packet for her boss, Mr. Parker, to pocket. Man, you say something about somebody pocketing a packet? Yeah, uh, Mr. Parker. Well, there's going to be some pocketing around here, but the pocket the packet is going to be pocketed. It ain't the same pocket that I think the packet is going to be pocketed in the first place. <laughs> What you getting at? What, what well, is... to sum it up, Andy, when this whole mess is over, the only thing Mr. Parker's going to have in his pocket is lint. That's what he's going to have. Bill Hay, speaking for the Pepsi Company, bidding you all good night. And remember, use Pepsi twice a day, see your dentist twice a year. Good night. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and the continuation of my salute to KFI. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Services.